Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 59 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by Tabby's.com, the best LK edible on the market. The Iowa Hawkeyes are the Big Ten tournament champions, and we actually have a full crew here to talk about it. So, Hayden, first of all, welcome back to you. Before we get into Iowa, you got to let us know, what's it like being a dad? Man, I, I really missed hearing that intro from you live while they have been listening to the shows, but hearing it live gets you a different different kind of feel. Yeah, no, dad life is great. Um, little baby SJ's doing really good, so it's been it's been crazy. This, these two weeks have actually flown by. I can't believe how fast it's going, but when you got a, a little baby that you got to keep alive, it kind of, you know, keeps you on your toes, makes sure you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Estee's got to grow up already. Time to start being able to be the woman of the house when you're watching Big Ten basketball this week. But, hey, Casey. That's exactly right. You, you, you've got to instill that early, Hayden. I can feel it. But, Casey, then, obviously, a little different on your end. You're just coming off of spring break. How are you doing over there on your end? I'm doing great, man. You know, I was really excited to watch the uh... – tournament teams unveiled yesterday and it was awesome that the Big Ten by far was the uh, most represented conference. Really excited about that. Excited to talk about the teams uh, that did make it because none of the bubble teams in the Big Ten didn't make it. So that was that was really cool to see. But had a nice chill weekend. Uh, had a night where I played Fortnite with some buddies like it was the old days. So that, that was pretty fun as well. But We've been saying it the past couple of times we've been on, too. This weather is something else, and it just gets me in such a great mood. I don't know what it is in Pitt right now, Wally, but I'm pretty sure it's similar to what it is here, 65 and sunny, just beautiful out, and it's supposed to be like that up until Friday. So loving this weather change, man. Yeah, on our end, it's kind of – it was like a really perfect day to, like, send us almost into spring because we started here – with probably two or three inches of snow on the ground in this morning. And yeah, it was about 55, 60, maybe a little chillier. But with the sun, it went from three inches of snow. And now we're at least in the belief that spring's here. Grass is on the ground again. I see it. I I can confirm it's there. So this is just a really exciting time. And I I wanted to actually start off the show with a couple quick questions for you, kind of just to what the beak on this time of year basketball-wise for both of you? So I don't care who goes first, but two questions. What is your personal favorite Big Ten tournament moment ever? Because this last week with Jordan Bohannon shot, I felt like it was a, a really good time to talk about it because that was an iconic moment. And do you guys have a, a little first-round upset, doesn't even have to be Big Ten related, that you want to stake your name to to start the show? I'll take the uh, easiest answer, and I'm sure this is Wally's favorite moment of the Big Ten tournament as well, but Evan Turner hitting that half-quarter shot to beat Michigan has to be up there for, I think, a lot of people, but especially Ohio State fans, for the obvious reasons. I actually remember I was in school when that happened, so we had a teacher, an ag teacher, ag slash woodshop, and he would have the MarchMadness.com or whatever, that website where you would watch the games, and he had it on in there, and that's where everybody was like, whoa, like what? So that was an unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable finish. As for the tournament, watch out for Vermont. I think they're a 13 seed, and uh, they, I think they play Arkansas. Is that correct? 
Does anybody know? It is correct. Yeah. And I'll, that, uh, yeah, I'll, I won't say any more, but they love that, that pick. Yeah, that game is fishy because I think the spread on it is only like four points, which everybody and their brother is going to hammer Arkansas if you're giving them, if you're only have a four point spread there. So watch out for the Vermont. I don't know what their, their catamount is. The catamounts. Okay. Yeah. Watch out for them because that, that could be a very dicey game for Arkansas. Casey, how about you? Well, do you know what? No, I'm actually going to jump in cause I didn't expect anybody to do this, but Hayden, you took mine right out from, uh, I guess under me. Sorry, dude. No, that's good. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you asked because I was looking at the bracket. I was like, which high seed am I going to pick to win it at least one game? And I think it's them. I actually watched them. Uh, in their conference tournament because I've had all this time off. And and they, you know, you could tell that they weren't, you know, they were a mid-major school, but they still had some guys that can play. So beware, Razorbacks. I agree. The Hogs, I think, are not, not only them might be in trouble, but they might be the team. You know how every two or three years, you almost have that Florida Gulf Coast, uh, George Mason, or some kind of really fun Cinderella I think that Vermont could be a second weekend team. I think that they not only can beat Arkansas, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they beat UConn as well. I won't go into any more about the Big Ten tournament because I agree, Hayden, that Evan Turner's shot was so special. I, I, I remember trying to emulate it for like an hour after the game, just going outside and practicing in my driveway. But just really special there. But Casey, I, I have to imagine you have somebody else. We can't all three be rocking the catamounts here, right? If Casey needs time, I have another one that I think could be interesting. I'm not saying they're going to win, but Tennessee plays Longwood, and Longwood uh, has a pretty good record. I I am not as high on Tennessee as I know Wally is, and I've talked to you about it. I, I'm not that high on them. I think there's a chance that they could get upset there, which I know we'll talk about this. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Michigan is a Sweet 16 team. You bring up Big Ten. Another one we'll get into later. Really long seeds that I think people need to keep an eye on is Colgate versus Wisconsin. Colgate, incredible three-point shooting team. We'll talk about it, but that's a scary game to me. Yeah, I think um, I'll go on the tournament here first. A team that I'd keep an eye on is New Mexico State. They have a good win early on in the year against another tournament team in Davidson. And I'm not exactly sold on UConn. I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched much. UConn basketball this year, but um, I froze. I forget what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, it's a it's a twelve five matchup, and you you know that you're due for one or two of those a year. So um, I'm gonna take the New Mexico State Aggies over the UConn Huskies. I love this time of year. This is one of my favorite time, like probably my second favorite time of year. Oh, dude, um, come, come tomorrow night when the tournament starts, it's just unbelievable. I, I couldn't agree more, Hayden. This time of year is absolutely awesome. Well, and right now, too, this is also, I know that it's not technically free agency in the NFL, but the tampering period has started. So right now you even have NFL deals going left and right. So this time of year, it's literally you cannot leave your phone or the TV because there is stuff happening every minute of the day. Yeah, I, I forgot to uh, give a shout out to my boy Mitchell Trubisky, recent Steelers signee or going to be. Hope he's back to 2018, Mitchell, because that was his best year. And if we could get that version of him, I think we're a playoff team. Any, anyway, 
I'll get into my favorite Big Ten tournament moment. You know, as a Michigan basketball fan, I've been blessed recently with a lot of good moments. There's plenty I could choose from, you know, 2017, 2018, won back-to-back tournaments. But I'm going to have to go with the 2017 team because of what happened that tournament. That was a year that the the plane crashed. They were wearing their practice jerseys the first game, and they they went on as an eight seed to win the whole thing. So not really one shot or one moment, but just that entire tournament was an awesome run. I literally, until we were talking about about a month ago, I like forgot that that they won the same year that the plane had gone off. It just when you look back, I guess we probably should have felt it coming. It had a special feel to it. Yeah, they uh, they kind of got lucky in their run. I guess they beat Purdue in overtime by four, but then they played the four seed uh, Minnesota, who was I mean they were decent that year, but they were Michigan was a more talented team in my opinion, and that's why they won. But yeah, that that second round, or I guess it would have been the semifinal round, uh, Michigan kind of lucked out that year. Wins are wins. Banners fly forever. Now, Hayden, you said you had one more upset pick you wanted to give us before we jump into the Big Ten tournament. What is it? Yeah, and this doesn't affect uh, a Big Ten team right away, but I think it has potential to. Virginia Tech is an 11 seed, and they are like the hottest team in the country. You know, they just went on the run to win the ACC. They beat Duke, but they they won a bunch before. I think they've won like 12 out of 14 or 13 out of 15 of their last games. So they play Texas in the first round. I think they could they can win that game, but they would match up with Purdue after. And we all know Purdue's, you know, tendency to kind of what happens to them in the, in the postseason. But I think that could set up for an interesting 11-3 game to go to the Sweet 16. I'm not calling upset, but... If I was a Purdue fan, I would probably be more worried to play Virginia Tech than Texas. We'll get into all of the Big Ten teams here in about 5-10 minutes. Going to talk a little about the Big Ten tournament first, which we have to start with the team that earned the talking point here, and that's Iowa. Iowa, Casey, credit to you. I know that it was like a 50-50 pick because you didn't want to agree with Hayden and I, but you still get credit. You were riding with your Hawkeyes this week. They look about as good as anybody in the country does right now. And that's why I was surprised that they landed at a five seed, especially the, you know, the run that they just had in the tournament. But yeah, you know, I got, I was between Purdue and Iowa. And since you two both picked Purdue, I went with Iowa and I got both the teams in the championship, right? I was feeling, I was feeling pretty darn good outside of the uh, early games in the tournament that I don't really want to talk too much about. Yeah, I'm sure we can probably all agree that we don't want to talk about those for a change. But, okay, I want to actually pose a question for both of you real quick before we get uh, into any other teams, any other takeaways from the tournament. Earlier in the year, we asked a question. Earlier in the year, we talked about Purdue. Wally, Wally, it's pronounced tournament. I I literally am going to ignore you guys. I mean, you guys live in cornfields. You have no right to talk about people. Anyways, so... We earlier in the year talked about how Purdue versus the field. He's flustered now, folks. He's flustered. Purdue versus the field. And we, I think, almost unilaterally picked Purdue to outlast everybody else in the Big Ten. I think now it's almost a fair question to just say, who goes further, Purdue or Iowa? Wow. That is super, super tough, Wally. I... I I know Iowa is super super hot right now, and I want to give them credit because they you know they played really good basketball down the stretch to win the tournament. I worry 
about Iowa in the big tournament because just how prolific they are on offense. I know they have a lot of weapons, but if you get a team that can really clamp down defensively and you start getting in that, you know, they low 60s type of game, I don't know. Is Iowa going to win that game? I don't know because I don't think they play good enough defense to win that type of game. So I think I would still roll with Purdue going a little further just because Purdue has a lot of size. I mean, they have a seven foot four guy in their starting lineup, and then they have Travion Williams coming off the bench. Iowa doesn't have that. I know it, it sounds dumb because Iowa just won that game, but I, I I think that could be a difference maker come Thursday. Hey, now I understand everything that you're saying, but looking at the bracket, I love Iowa's draw. I love a lot of the Big Ten teams draw, to be honest with you. But the thing that I'm looking by, I think it, or the thing that I'm looking at on that side of the bracket is if they can get past a pesky Richmond team, they have the weakest four seed out of the entire tournament in Providence up next. So I think Iowa makes it to the Sweet 16. I I do think Purdue does as well, and so that's when it kind of gets iffy because Iowa will play Kansas and Purdue will play Kentucky. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure either one can win that game, but if I'm going to place a bet I think I would bet that Iowa beats Kansas before Purdue beats Kentucky Ooh, I see I would go the opposite I think that's interesting though Kentucky has Oscar Shigway probably the okay I won't say the best but absolutely one of the best big men in the in the country to match up with Travion Williams and Zach Eady And, and I think their guard play overall is better than what produces even though Purdue has quite possibly the best player on the floor this worked out perfectly because when I went through and actually did my bracket and I don't know about you guys I'm a one bracket person I think the people that do multiple I that's think that's shameful no way no you see you have one bracket you are taking and putting your name on one and that's basically when I do one it's it I can edit it but it's my one bracket and I came down to the same thing where Purdue is playing Kentucky Iowa's playing Kansas. I have Iowa beating Kansas, and I have Kentucky going to the Elite Eight. So I guess I would lean more on the Iowa's going to go farther. Coming out of the Midwest, I really do think that there's a chance that Iowa could be a Final Four team, purely because it's just not that great of a region. I, I don't know if I necessarily would say that they're that much better. It's just you would potentially, in this scenario, have to beat Providence, in Richmond, who, yeah, they might be pesky, but they match up really well with them. And then you immediately probably face one of the weaker ones. And Auburn, who's kind of been hit and miss the last three weeks. So I think there's a real chance Iowa could be facing off against Arizona in the Final Four. So when this bracket came out uh, Sunday evening, I got super pissed because, and I feel like we do this every year, the conference tournaments don't mean anything. Iowa just went through and won the Big Ten, and they're a five seed. They've been the hottest team, one of the hottest teams in basketball over the course of this last two months, and they're a five seed. You're telling me that the champion of the Big Ten is a five seed? I don't know how that's possible. You have, just seeding in general, Michigan's an 11 seed when Indiana has to do a playing game as a 12 when Indiana just beat Michigan in the game that should have probably decided it. I don't understand how 
you know, we we put all this stock into conference tournaments. Yeah, I know Indiana had to win a couple of games to get in, but they did that, and they should not be forced to play a, a play-in game uh, as a 12 seed when the team they just beat is an 11 seed with a worse record. And, yeah, I get it. There's more qualifications than record, but they just played a head-to-head game four days ago, and that's this is what the committee came up with. It just makes no, no sense to me at all. Casey, I want to actually – ask you since you are a Michigan fan did you feel first of all that uh, I guess the committee got it right on the Michigan Indiana front and I guess going off of that too do you think that it's also justified because Michigan has the fourth best strength of schedule this year if you're looking strictly at records I don't know if it tells the entire story yeah and I think that's really the only reason why Michigan got in this year was because they you're right, they had the fourth toughest schedule in the country, and they have seven wins over teams that are in the tournament compared to Indiana's five. So I think that you have to take in the overall body of work. I, I'm right there with you, though, Hayden. I, I could not agree more about your take with Iowa. Them at a five seed, like I mentioned before, is absolutely a uh, disservice to how well they've been playing this back half of the year. But as far as the Michigan-Indiana debate, I get it. You know, Michigan just blew a lead against Indiana, and um, Indiana ended up going on to win another game against Iowa or Illinois. But I think that the overall body of work, and to be honest with you, I think that people have, like, a 17-14 and team usually should not get in the tournament. But everybody has been trying their hardest to get that Michigan team in. Because I think they know that if that team gets hot, they they could be a Sweet 16 Elite 8 team. And I think that, you know, that's kind of what the committee wants. I, so I agree with you that Michigan sh- should be in the tournament. But you, I don't think you can base their seeding off if this team gets hot, they, they could be an Elite 8 or Sweet 16 team. Because Indiana got hot in the tournament and now they have to play an extra game to go just as far. And it's not even a game that they're guaranteed to win. They could they could lose to Wyoming. I just don't understand how that makes any sense when they just played each other. To me, it should have that game should have decided who would be the better ranked seed. This might sound crazy, but I actually don't agree. I don't think that that game is the one that for me should have determined the seeding. The game that did it for me was Indiana then beating Illinois the following day. I I felt that that was enough to separate them because before I felt like they were pretty close. The resumes were – and coming off the more recent win, yeah, you you want to almost reward Indiana. But it was the Illinois game I felt like – I felt like earned them a spot to play on Thursday instead of on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, I think the only thing we're forgetting about, though, is this Indiana team was ice cold coming into that Big Ten tournament. They, Including the Big Ten tournament, they are 4-8 and eight in their last 12 games, which is not deserving of, uh, you know, any benefit of the doubt, I would say. So they, they really, you know, the, those two games they won got them in the tournament. I don't think that the way they played down the stretch deserves any, uh, you know, what am I trying to say here? Makes makes them deserve any better seating than Michigan. That's a great point, if, by the way. Yeah, if that's the debate that we're having right now. That is a good point, but listen to the teams, at least three of them that they lost to, and I get it, a loss is a loss. They lost at Purdue by two. They played really hard and really well in that game. They lost at home to Rutgers by three. 
Rutgers is a tournament team, and they lost to Ohio State at home in a game that they were winning throughout the second half, and Ohio State kind of got lucky and forced it to overtime. Well, and I get yeah, it. It's still a loss. It's still yeah, a loss. But those three that. games are still overtime – or not overtime, but close games that – you know, it, it's not exactly indicative of how they played because they played really, really well against Purdue. Okay, well, if, if that's your criteria right there, just who they played, you want to hear Michigan's last games? Purdue, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan State, Iowa, Ohio State, Indiana. All okay, teams. that's fine. And then Michigan and Indiana played. You guys are missing the point. We, we've already had this discussion about how Iowa wasn't rewarded for playing hard and playing well down the stretch. Like, Iowa has won 9 of 10. They win the Big Ten tournament. They're playing better than anybody in the country, and they weren't rewarded for it. We're wasting our time. At, they were consistent. This was one of the few things I felt like, not to say the committee did a bad job, but they were very consistent with this. It was overall body of work. That's Iowa got consistent. shafted. Uh, Iowa did get shafted. I agree. But, you know, overall, I think I agree with your point there, Wally. Yeah, like, we can disagree, but that. it's consistent. What, what, if you want consistency... That, I mean, they gave us that. How? Okay, explain this to me like I'm 12. How is it consistent to have Iowa as a five seed? I'm saying that their overall body of work was used, not the way they were but playing the, at their, the end their of the year. Their overall body of work is pretty good. Yeah, I know. I get that, and I agree with you. All I'm saying is that we were arguing just now about whether Indiana should be playing a playing game or replacing Michigan, and we were using how they were playing the end of year as an argument. When we've already proven that's not an argument for this committee, I'm just saying the committee the committee sucks. You see, and that's what, what I'm saying is that we can disagree with the committee, but agree they were consistent. I don't know though because Illinois is a four seed and they have they're 22 and nine. Iowa just won the conference is 26 and nine. Okay, we're we're obviously not going to agree on that, but Ohio State and Wisconsin. Two of the bigger disappointments entering and kind of limping into the NCAA tournament now. Ohio State, first of all, you had your Penn State loss to end the year. You and I, unfortunately, Hayden, we can feel that coming a mile away. And then Wisconsin on the flip, they're kind of the Big Ten's providence, and they're getting exposed a little bit late in the year where they had a chance to clinch regular season title, lose at home to Nebraska, and follow that up immediately with their first game loss to Michigan State. I mean, what do you think about either of these programs right now going into the tournament? It, it feels like a recipe for a very bad first weekend again. I'll touch on Wisconsin here for a minute. You know, I, I have no idea what's going on with them. I thought, you know, coming off of the Purdue win, that they would obviously clinch the Big Ten championship and then, you know, make a little run in, in the Big Ten tournament. And they, they just have not done that. You know, I'm starting to think that, Hayden's theory of relying on Johnny Davis too much uh, is it, starting to come true. But, you know, ultimately, you know, basing Wisconsin off their entire body of work, I think that they'll get past Colgate. And I think that they, they might themselves be able to make it to the Sweet 16 as well. I'm, I'm right with Casey. I, I, I do still have those concerns. Uh, and I know that that loss, especially against Nebraska, is ugly. But – we have I to still remember that Johnny Davis left that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Johnny Davis uh, was injured in that or during that game, right? So that's tough. And I didn't, you know, Michigan State was, I think, playing for a little more. They quite weren't sure if they were gonna, 
they were bubble-ish, I will say. But yeah, I, I still like them. I, they def they should win that first game. And I think that second or that second round, I guess technically it would be. Oh no, it is second round. I, I keep thinking the first four is the first round. Didn't they do that one year? Yes, and it was terrible. Yeah. So that second round game against either Iowa State or, or LSU um, is still a very winnable game. This team should go to the Sweet 16 if they have everybody back and healthy. I mean, after Iowa, this has got to be the best draw for a Big Ten team. They have, even though Colgate's a difficult 14, you have to win that game. But then you have an awesome situation because LSU is in shambles right now. And if they even, uh, I mean, there's a very good chance they lose to Iowa State. And even if they don't, they're kind of a vet, very meh team too. So not even because of Wisconsin's own merit, they are probably a Sweet 16 team. And I guess you can say their lucky seasons at least get to one more week of that luck. Yeah, and there's a real possibility that we could see an Iowa-Wisconsin uh, Elite Eight matchup, which would be absolutely awesome to see. Um, you know, I, we were talking about Iowa making it to the – Elite Eight earlier, and we just kind of assumed that Auburn would be that two seed that they would face. But I would not be surprised because we've seen this Wisconsin team when they're on the, you know, they're one of the best teams in the country. I would not be surprised if they make it past Auburn and, you know, meet up with Iowa in this in the Elite Eight. As far as Ohio State goes, man, they're, they're not playing very well right now. Obviously, you know, we're just talking about all those teams that were, you know, either struggling down the end or, or really hot at the end of the year. And Ohio State's one of those teams that is absolutely not, you know, losing to Nebraska, Penn State, Michigan was a bad loss without their best player. So, you know, we're, we're going to dive into Ohio State here in a little bit. Let's just jump right now into the NCAA tournament. We'll take it day by day, chronological order, and just figure out maybe quick pick, any notes you want to say for games, and then we'll get everybody out of here and it's officially go time. So the first one we have here for the Big Ten – Tuesday night, playing game in Dayton. So it's going to be a pretty quick little drive for the Indiana Hoosiers fans. They're going to be facing the Wyoming Cowboys. I mean, Wyoming's offense is predicated through isolation inside for two players. And with Trace Jackson Davis, which is awesome, by the way, that he's finally going to be in March Madness. It feels like a long time coming. It feels like, again, that Indiana has no business losing. Is that fair to say? No. Oh, I I feel that way, Wally. I didn't know that Hayden felt differently. Yeah, I, I think this is a game that you would expect Indiana to win. Uh, they're probably the more talented team overall, and they're going to have the best player on the floor in Trace Jackson Davis. So I fully expect Indiana to get out of the, the, the first four and you know possibly get in to the, to the second round here with their five seed being St. Mary's. I So I think that they should win but i'm not as confident as you guys are um that they're just gonna walk out there and win they are only four point favorites in this game so it's not like it's a 10 point spread or something uh four points so you know we'll see i i think just being closer to home and wyoming has to having to go across basically the whole country to get to dayton bodes well for indiana and i hope they play well uh so TJD can get into the real big dance. That would be crazy too for Wyoming. I know it's not one of our teams, but if they do win, they had to travel across country to Dayton just to get back on a a plane and fly back out to Portland, Oregon to face St. Mary's in their own backyard. 
So that would be a really, really difficult thing for Wyoming. But the two players that everybody talks about with this team is Hunter Maldonado and Graham E.K. And the reason they fell short in their own tournament was that it felt like the blueprint was out there to beat Wyoming later in the year, is that if you force them to play from the outside, they're going to have a real difficult time scoring. And with TJD, like you said, it just feels like a really good recipe for Indiana to get a win here. And, I mean, we'll get to St. Mary's if that happens. That's a winnable game. Wyoming here, they only had two wins against tournament teams the entire year. And one of their worst losses was to Arizona. They lost by 29 points. I know Arizona's a one seed, but anytime that they played, well, I guess Arizona's the only elite team that they played, they got smacked. So that's something to consider too. And to kind of just touch on the Big Ten as a whole here, we're really going to find out if the Big Ten grind with how deep we are and you know how many teams, when they're hot, can, can make a legit tournament run. We're going to find out whether or not going through the gauntlet of the Big Ten schedule every or this year will do us any favors or whether it's going to hurt our chances. And I think it's going to start with tomorrow because Indiana should be the more superior team, played a lot better team competitions, has some really good wins. And so you would think that they had the better shot to beat this Wyoming team. But that's something I'm going to keep an eye on these uh, first two rounds of the tournament. Hayden, I don't, I don't know if you would have heard listening to the show last week, but Casey and I even talked about the significance of these play-in games, that if you win as an 11 or a 12 seed, it sometimes it feels almost like a blessing in disguise if you can get over that first hurdle because you enter, kind of get that tournament nerves like out of your system. You're excited for the game. You've got momentum. If Rutgers or Indiana gets a win, I mean, could we see either of these teams go to maybe even the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight? I think I would say no, and and I know I we have seen in the past that you know a play-in team has won their first round game. I worry about Indiana just because you know they just played three games in a row, the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. They get two days off, you know, rest, and then they're back at it for the first four. And then if they win that game, they'd have to play then two days later again. I just that's a lot of basketball minutes in a short period of time to get it done. Well, and it feels like Rutgers, too, because they're the Wednesday play-in game. They're kind of that team that they'll either lose Wednesday night or we'll still be talking about them in two weeks. You really never know the way they're streaky. It does feel like they really wanted their matchup with Notre Dame and to beat the tournament maybe two weeks ago because they were as hot as ice, a few, uh, or I guess they're as hot as ice now. They were really at a high level. About two weeks ago, they've unfortunately, for their sake, lost four of their last six games. Personally, for me, I'm more nervous about this game and think that this is not going to see the right side than I was for the Indiana game. I totally agree. Indiana has a better chance to win than Rutgers does. See, I'm a I'm a whole body of work kind of kind of guy, and I love going through all these team schedules and looking at their. Their, their best wins, how they played against ranked teams or teams that made the tournament. And Notre Dame had won in a very down ACC this year, played 10, 10 games against tournament teams in their three and seven. And to be honest with you, had they not beat Kentucky earlier on in the year, I don't think they make the tournament at all. Whereas Rutgers has really, really good wins 
you know, I think they have a lot of depth, to be honest with you. I think that they have plenty of guys that can score. Um, Ron Harper Jr. can guard almost any position on the on the court. So uh, I'm not as confident in Rutgers to beat Notre Dame as I am for Indiana to beat Wyoming. But I love this matchup for Rutgers. I think that they'll be able to get it done. It does feel after the last few years of Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr., like the growth in the program that we've been waiting for Rutgers to take the next step. Real opportunity to do it, especially with Clifford Amore there. We'll have to see as we go on to Thursday, the opening game, Casey, your Michigan Wolverines, they don't have to play the play-in game, which was what we talked about before. It's a huge step that you get to avoid that extra game. It is against Colorado State in Indianapolis, though. Kind of a satellite hometown to the Michigan Wolverines. Got to imagine there's going to be a lot of fans there as well. Sign of respect to Michigan strength of schedule, as we said before. But you get the opening word. Michigan, do they do what everybody seems to be picking right now and think that they get the upset? A quote-unquote upset, that is. Yeah, so of the nine Big Ten teams that got in the tournament, I really love seven of the nine first matchups that we have here. And I think... You know, obviously being a little biased, I think we win probably at least six of them. And this is one of them. This is one that I absolutely love. You know, a common opponent is San Diego State. Colorado State lost to them by 30, and Michigan beat them earlier on in the year. So I I know that's not the end-all, be-all, but I think Michigan is top to bottom way more talented than Colorado State. So I do think that Michigan gets this seeding upset, but I'm pretty sure Michigan's like a three-point favorite right now. Hayden, you also agree here? Got to go with the Wolverines get the win? Unfortunately. Oh, I guess good for the Big Ten, I guess. Michigan should win I should win this game. ESPN has them right now at two-and-a-half-point favorites, so, you know, there's that to take into consideration. But I'm looking, you know, at Colorado State's roster. I, I don't know how they're going to guard Hunter Dickinson. They have a guy that's 6'11", but he averages zero points a game. And he only plays 30% of the minutes. Yeah, and then they have a guy that's 6'10", who scores four points a game. So I I definitely think this matchup is very favorable for Michigan in this first-round tournament game. Well, not only Dickinson, too, Musa Diabate. We saw him, you know, kind of come on the scene there against Iowa. But, you know, he's an athletic freak, and if Colorado State's putting their biggest dude on Dickinson and we can leave – Musa Diabate one-on-one with a smaller guy. I mean, we could see a big night, for, or I guess a day, big day for Musa Diabate as well. But an interesting matchup that we have here, I, I'm just now going through Colorado State's roster. Their guard, I don't know if this, this has got to be a typo. David Roddy, right? Yeah. Yo, dude, he's uh, a top 10 player of the year. Well, really? Yeah, he's like he's on like the Wooden Award watch list. Well, obviously he can score. He's averaging 19 points a game, 7.6 rebounds. And it, it has it list, has him listed as a guard. And if if that's so, Michigan does not guard the <laughs> Michigan does not guard the guards very well. Um Devontae Jones and Eli Eli Brooks is a decent guard, but Devontae cannot guard anybody worth a soul. So anyway, the mistake that it has to be, it says this dude is six foot five, two hundred and fifty-two pounds. Dude, he's a tank. That is a Sounds like a Terrence Williams kind of game. Yeah. Caleb Houston will also get bullied. I would I would think Michigan puts their three on him. And so, yeah, you're right. Terrence Williams is probably the best matchup for this guy. 
one thing I was listening to earlier in the day, Casey, I don't know if you think it's any good, but it's called The Wolverine, and it's with Anthony Broom and Jason Safey, I think it is. And they actually brought up a couple of the things. It's how I actually found out about the David Roddy guy and started like doing a little digging on him. They brought up to me, I thought it was the perfect equation to find out who wins this game, is it really is offensive mismatch versus offensive mismatch and who's going to basically be able to exploit it more. Where you have CSU is 20th in offensive efficiency because of their small guard play, play fast-style games, but then they're 83rd on D. They really struggle with big, so it's going to turn into they're on offense, going to stretch the floor, try to get Dickinson and Diabate a little uncomfortable around the perimeter, and just hope that they can outscore Michigan because I want to say, God, I wish I wrote it right here. Yeah, they gave up 55% inside the paint. Like they are going to get bullied it's in this be game. Sixty-five percent uh, on Thursday. Yeah, and uh, wow, that that that's incredible. Wally. That, this that, is an over game. A, you bet the over in this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was going to say this game is going to easily get into the eighties because one, I did not realize this. What's his name again? David Roddy. Roddy. He shoots forty-five percent from three-point arc or three-point line. That is absolutely crazy for as many times as he shoots the ball. So we've seen Michigan struggle to guard the three-point line this year. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on as well. If we're talking about Michigan getting beat, it's weird to almost say upset because when you're talking Colorado State-Michigan, you feel like Michigan's the higher-ranked team. But if we're talking about Michigan losing to them, it's going to be because of David Roddy, and he's going to be that kind of household name that Abram was last year for Ohio State fans, where he's going to live in your memory for a long time. I just don't think it's going to be enough because it's going to truly take an incredible shooting game because the bigs for Michigan are going to have a field day. Yeah, and to your point about the game being in Indianapolis, you would expect that Michigan probably has a 75% of the attendance there, which, you know, it could be a big-time advantage for them. Next game on Thursday, the number five Iowa Hawkeyes. And this is the beauty of it, because as much as it sucks for the seed that they got, their avenue actually was pretty nice. They played the number 12 Richmond Spiders. To me, I'll say this early. This is my Sharpie game. You remember Seth Davis said that a few years ago about Virginia and UMBC, and it was like hilariously wrong? I don't care. We're rebranding it. It's going to be a good thing now. Iowa can't lose this game. I have I do not physically understand like a, a way that it could happen. Richmond's ninth best defensively in the A10. We know what Iowa is. I don't think I have to say much more than that. Yeah, I I have nothing. Iowa big. Yeah, but this this Richmond team is a team that had they not won their conference, they would not be in the tournament. They just got hot at the right time. You know, I, I would say they have a fighting chance, but they're they need to get in the 80s if they're going to beat this Iowa team with how they play defense. And that might not be enough. The only fun nugget I found that might point to a little trouble for them is that Richmond, believe this or not, have the all-time NCAA steals leader on their team right now, Jacob Gilliard. And he's going to be matched up with Jordan Bohannon, try to take his AARP card. So it's going to be a really fun matchup between those two. But I can't imagine a guy like Keegan Murray losing to Richmond. It's going to be a mismatch that you probably won't see at almost any other level in this tournament. Next game then, in Portland, Oregon, if Indiana wins. So this is a a gamble here on our part. If Indiana wins, 
they will be playing St. Mary's. That's a long plane ride, less than 48 hours after a win in Dayton and playing a lot of games in the last few weeks. Dead legs. Do you think it's an issue for Indiana if they get here? Yeah, I already mentioned that I think it could possibly be that exact circumstance. And, you know, St. Mary's isn't like a slouch. They're not, I know they're a five seed and they played Gonzaga in the, uh, I don't even know what conference they're in. Is it the West Coast Conference? The West Coast, WCC. And, and they only lost by 13. So, you know, if you can hang with Gonzaga close to that, I think everybody thinks Gonzaga is really, really good. I, I think it's a, a tough pull for, for Indiana to get that done. Yeah, uh, St. Mary's actually beat Gonzaga one out of the three times that they played this year. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not in love with the matchup, but I do think that Indiana could possibly be the 12 seed to beat a five as well. And that's another thing that I kind of, you know, I'm thinking about when, I, when I'm picking these teams, you know, the 12-5. Like I said, there's always a 12-5. And, you know, why not Indiana this year? And right after we just talked about Iowa being a lock as a 5-12, it eliminates one of those opportunities. So I can kind of follow you there. The other thing I guess mentioning here, this is the highest ranked St. Mary team ever. And that is in large part due to that Gonzaga win that you mentioned, Casey. Not Big Ten related, but I don't know if you guys have ever watched at like 11 o'clock at night one of these St. Mary's Gonzaga games. It's one of the coolest rivalries in college basketball that I feel like is very slept on. Yeah, it's 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 pretty neat. And actually, Wally, I'm pretty sure that the their the WCC plays all their games at home. The higher seed gets the home game. Is that true? And have you seen that bracket? How the brackets all like like Gonzaga had like four buys before they they started in the semifinals or something. It like looks like a, yeah, like an acute angle. <laughs> Their bracket's all crazy, so yeah, no, it, it is, and and those games are always fun, fun to watch. You know, late night, eleven p.m. You wake up at halftime; it's like twelve. You're like, oh god, I can't believe they're still playing. That's so true, but that's it's something to keep an eye on. Hopefully, we have to worry about watching that game, Indiana and St. Mary's. We're going on the Friday now, Hayden. This is one that's close home to us. Ohio State is facing off against Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean in Pittsburgh. So that's at least an advantage, kind of like what we talked about with Michigan playing in Indianapolis. Got to imagine there's going to be a lot of Ohio State fans in Pittsburgh for this matchup. I just don't know how much good it's going to do. Yeah, you know, Ohio State, it seems like their annual tradition. They're limping into the tournament somehow. I, you know, I, I don't expect much out of them. And in fact, Loyola opened this game. They were a point favorite. Now it's, it's even. So, you know. That means nothing uh, with this team at all. But being in Pittsburgh, I think, helps. Maybe. I don't know, man. I, I I think if you're trying to be optimistic as an Ohio State fan, is a few years ago uh, when Loyola made that tournament run, they had that big, tall, beefy center with a mustache. Yeah. And he is not on their team. So, like, this team is not going to beat Ohio State with their size, at least – you know, they don't, their roster does, I haven't watched any Loyola games except for 10 minutes of the their championship game. So they're not going to beat them with size, which I think can play into Ohio State's favor because that's what Ohio, kills Ohio State in every game. But I I just, I, I don't see them winning. 
So I mentioned earlier um, of the nine Big Ten teams that had a first round matchup. Um, I was confident in seven of them. This is I knew two, it. This is one of the two that I am not confident in. Ohio State has not been guarding the perimeter very well at all, basically this entire season, and. That is exactly, you know, Hayden was just saying that Loyola isn't a team that has a lot of size, and that's that's correct. But they play seven guys at least 20 minutes a game or 17 and a half and, and more minutes a game. And four of those guys shoot at least 39% from three. So that is something that Ohio State is going to have to, you know, obviously defend a lot better than what they have recently because – you know, while they don't have the size, they, they have the shooting that can really, you know, knock out Ohio State early in the tournament again. Loyola played Michigan State on the road at Michigan State in the Breslin Center early in the season, only lost by two. And they also played Auburn, and they lost by nine. That was early, early in the season. So, you know, this team's not bad. <sighs> Uh, Wally, I don't. We could be winning at halftime. I'll, I'll say that Ohio State will be winning at halftime. Oh hell, they that, could be up until five minutes left in the game. Five, it could be. They could be up ten with with six minutes to go and find a way to lose this game. So I, I, I don't I'm know. excited it's, to it's, see it's, how it's they the do ne- it. Yeah, it's like the never ending Holman cycle of his teams just collapsing down the stretch, and you know they always invent some new way to win or to lose. And if they win, they get lucky as hell. So I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment, so I'm probably going to end up going to this game. And I think, it, like, if we were smart, if, like, Ohio State's fans, we're a big group of fans. Like, we're powerful enough. If we choose to just walk out of the stadium together with five minutes left, we can all just decide we won and just, like, not watch on, what, Sunday afternoon, and we don't have to worry about it. Because it, you're right, it is. It's a story that never ends. It's a cycle. And I, I, this is the part that it makes me... And even with the pick'em, have to go with Loyola, is they have such a good culture now. This isn't your typical mid-major. This is a team now that has not only made three tournaments now in five years, they had sustained success in both of the ones they had. Huge upsets in both of the ones they had. Yeah, maybe they don't have Mustache Man that we were used to seeing from the past, but those guys that were playing behind him, the guys that were playing with him, they have the experience too. And Ohio State's culture on the flip side has kind of been this restrictor around the neck culture. And who do you think's going to win if it's a tie game with a minute left? I'm going to bet on the team with confidence. And one other thing I want to say is that I was listening to Holtman talk to 11 Warriors earlier today, and it already has this air of trying to save his job in some of the answers to the questions. I'm really happy Bill Landis kind of called him on it, but he kind of started his... I guess press conference saying, hey, this is the second longest streak of NCAA appearances in Ohio State history, only behind Thad Modest 7. This is a really good time for Ohio State. Look at the consistency. And then Bo Landis even brought up, he's like, okay, that's great, but it's also the longest streak of not advancing beyond the first or second round, whatever it is. You've got to look the whole picture. He was already addressing or trying to talk about how making the non-conference schedule easier because the team right now, wins are important and the metrics are weird. And like it just sounded like such a, oh God, just give me one more year. Let's try to figure this out. He's already prepared for failure. That resonates with the team. They can feel that too. I just don't know how Loyola doesn't win this game. Wally, to touch on your point about the culture here too, you know, I, I would assume that the seniors and maybe, uh, not the juniors, but 
the seniors on Loyola's team were part of that team that made it to the Final Four a year that they lost to Michigan in the tournament, and two of their top three scorers are their seniors. So, you know, they have a culture instilled there where, you know, they maybe they believe that they are, you know, like you said, they're not just some mid-major team and they can make a serious run in the tournament, whereas Ohio State hasn't made it to the Sweet 16 since 2013, um, which is absolutely out, you know, crazy to, to think about. So you bringing up that culture part really could play a key in the game. Ugh, all right, let's move on because that'll make me sad. Next game here on Friday, we have Purdue, three seed against Yale as a 14. Game's in Milwaukee. That's not too, too far from Indiana. I, I mean, there's not a ton for me to say here other than I don't think Purdue's going to struggle with Yale and they should get a win and pretty comfortably. Purdue big. <laughs> yep, Purdue's a lock. Sharpie game, another one right here. So I, I feel like we're good talking about that. Jump ahead again to Rutgers. If they do get ahead, they're facing off against Alabama. And Alabama, the last few years, they're a very fast-paced team. They try to maximize possessions in a game. So that just feels like a really weird matchup because it's going to almost be strength versus weakness or I guess just a, a game of trying to dictate the terms. I would feel almost better about Rutgers' chances in this game than I would against their playing game, and I don't know why, but if they get over the Notre Dame hump, it almost feels like Rutgers of a month ago might be coming back. That would be really cool for the Big Ten, I think. Also, looking at Alabama, they've lost three in a row, so you know they're kind of limping into the tournament too, including they lost to Vanderbilt, and I have to imagine that Vanderbilt is not good. 17 and 16, so they're not good. Food for thought. It's almost like losing to Penn State in the Big Ten tournament. So, Casey, who do you have here, Rutgers or Bama, in the case that Rutgers is there? I'm going to go with Rutgers. I know I'm a homer, Big Ten homer. And, um, you know, it's just it's just hard to pick against a team that you've seen all year long. And, you know, while you mentioned their little month there where they were, <laughs> quite honestly, the hottest team in the Big Ten – so I, I do think that Rutgers season will continue after the Alabama game. However, I don't see it continuing much further past that. I'm with you there. Next game, we have Illinois, a four seed also in Pittsburgh here against Chattanooga, who you have to imagine is going to be a pretty popular pick. People really, really like this Chattanooga team. Seth Davis actually yesterday during the show said that they're going to be a Sweet 16 team. So it's kind of... I almost like that for Illinois' hopes that people are going to be doubting them, so maybe they won't be a little, uh, I guess, not focused. But they, Chattanooga, that is, have a player kind of similar to that Colorado State guy. What was it, David uh, Roddy? David Roddy, another really, really high-profile guard that could give Illinois fits. I think the spread's about 7.5 the last I saw. That seems low for Illinois, Maybe avoid a scare, but they get a win. Is that sound something that we can agree to? I do think that this game is going to be very scary. This is not the other matchup that I had, you know, a Big Ten team worried about. But looking through this uh, this roster that Chattanooga has here, they, they can put up some points. It looks like they have a big three. One averages 20 points a game, the other 15, and the other one 11. And they all can shoot the three ball. So um, and and they they match up size wise decently about as good as you can against Kofi Coburn 
you know, they have this Silvio de Sosa uh, guy is 6'9", 250. They have another guy that's 6'11", 250. So decent size for Chattanooga. But ultimately, I think guys like Trent Frazier and Andre Corbello are, um, you know, going to shut down Malachi Smith and David Jean Baptiste just enough for Illinois to cover by a point. What did you say? It was seven? I think it was seven and a half last I saw. All right. So I could see this game being decently close, like five to nine range. But I do think that Illinois ends up pulling it off. It's kind of like the game that with, I don't know, five minutes left, it's like a one or a two point game. Everybody starts wondering, could this Illinois team fall? And then just in the final minutes of the game, slowly creep by. I'm kind of with you there, Casey. I do think they avoid the loss, but I, I, I agree with both of you that this could be uh, a very scary, scary hours here for Illinois. It's weird between Illinois and we'll get to Wisconsin here in a minute. These next three games, I, I actually am a little less high on than you, Casey, for at least a couple. Let's go into the next one where Michigan State, the seven, they're facing up against Davidson at 10. Just a couple little stats for you real quick. Davidson, 0-4 since Steph Curry went on that magical run a few years back. But Davidson does have the nation's leader in free throw percentage and foster lawyer at 93.3%. So if it is close late in the game, that could prove dividends for Davidson. And then MSU on the flip, 2-8 versus top 25 teams this year. Kind of a little hit and miss here over the last month. Doesn't feel like a good game. This kind of feels like, to me, Davidson might get the better of a Michigan State Spartans team here. This is the second game that I did not like the matchup of for our Big Ten teams. And really what I think it's going to come down to is if Davidson can stay out of foul trouble because their starting five is really, really pretty good, and they have no depth after that. All five guys are averaging at least eight points a game with – for their top four, they have a big, you know, uh, what, what would you call that? Qu- a quad, big quad. A big quad of dudes that can score. They have a dude, you mentioned Foster Lawyer. He averages 16 points a game, shoots 93% from the free throw line, and also 44% from the three-point line. Four out of their five guys, their top leading scorers, shoot at least 40% from three. That's a dangerous team no matter who you're playing in my books. Only benefit there, though, is Michigan State, best Big Ten defense against the three-point shot, 31% allowed. Going to need it on Friday. Something's got to give, right? Exactly. Something definitely has to give. Hayden, you agree? You're going – I guess – I don't know. Casey, did you pick Davidson to get the W then like I did? Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. I'll go Davidson. So, Hayden, what do you think? You going Wildcats? You going Spartans here? Oh, and you know what? I should have mentioned this, too, because it pissed me off. And Michigan State fans should be pissed, too. This game is in Greenville, South Carolina. I don't know what the Davidson crowd is like typically, but that is less than a two-hour drive from their campus. That's insane for the the lower seed, especially at a smaller school. Michigan State is only uh, a one-point favorite. And I always think about games in terms of this way, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I have to imagine that the general fan is going to say, oh, Michigan State's a one-point favorite. They're easily going to cover that, right? So I'm going to go against that, and I think Davidson does 
pull the upset, upset in air quotes, it's not really an upset. I think this game's pretty even, or will be even throughout. Yeah, when do you guys start calling it really an upset? Is it 6-11 or is it 5-12 for you? I don't even think, uh, it de- maybe depends on the 11. Some 11 seeds, maybe. Yeah, like, like Michigan's not really upset in Colorado State if they win. Right, right. I would go with 5-12. Five, five and 12. I think I'm with you there, too. And then our next game then, which would be in that range, and a lot of people seem to be picking it, Wisconsin, the three seed against the 14 Colgate. Now this game, there are a lot of trickiness. I I guess tricks to it, where this is in Milwaukee, first of all. So very, very close to Madison. Got to imagine a very Badger-heavy crowd. But this is where it gets nuts. Colgate is a very veteran team. And they are second best in the country at three-point shooting. 40% as a team. This is going to be a... a I, I'm scared to death. I, I truly think, especially if Johnny Davis, we don't know how healthy he is. He looked like shit against Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament. If he's not 100%, this could be a really embarrassing loss for Wisconsin. Yeah, for a Wisconsin team that typically doesn't score as much as what other Big Ten teams do. I agree with you, Wally. Um, you know, I didn't do too much research on this game prior to our show. But, you know, knowing that statistic, I got to say the same thing I just said about Davidson. Anybody that can shoot the way that Colgate can shoot is is a dangerous team. And not only that, this team is on a 15-game win streak right now. They started off the year 8-11, and 11, and they've reared off 15 straight to make the tournament. So I think I'm going to change my – my predictor, my my belief earlier on, and say that there are now only six out of the nine teams that I like the matchup in because I do not really like this matchup. I think Wisconsin can and and should and probably will win, but I don't think it's going to be easy by any means. Man, you guys, tough critics here for the Badgers. I think Wisconsin. I'm confused by this because I'm I'm looking at this game. And I've, I've looked at every game so far, but the tickets for this game, 240 bucks for this first-round game. Can you believe that? Hey, Milwaukee is what people don't understand that aren't up there. It is as big, if not a bigger Badger state. Because it's half, yeah, you have Marquette there, but the whole state of Wisconsin is Badgers. So, like, everybody, and think about it this, too. The Milwaukee Bucks just won the NBA championship. That city has basketball fever right now. Very true. I, I think with ticket prices that high, that screams buzzer beater one way or the other. So this this game is going to be scary no matter what. <laughs> oh, God, that would be that would be crazy. It's, uh, hopefully, if it goes buzzer beater, we're on the right side of it here. It, but you are a you know big what? line no. guy. You know what? No, I'm going to take that and go the opposite way. Wisconsin won the conference basically on a buzzer beater. I hope they lose first round on a buzzer beater. Wow. You want to talk about harsh critics of the Badgers? You're out they've here been, they've, been them. Fa- they've been fake good all year. Providence of the Big Ten. But here, okay, the line is inside 10. You're a line guy. You're the guy that likes trying to figure out what the public thinks and what Vegas is thinking. Is this a situation where it goes the other way, where everybody seems to be on Colgate right now? So take the Badgers yeah. to win by 20. Yeah, yeah. I was actually, I was, when I was looking at I thought that same thing. Oh, I don't know. An average person. Okay. Seven and a half. Maybe Colgate can keep it close. I'm going to back Colgate and then it goes the other way. I, I, I think you're onto something there, Wally. 
Well, and if they do win against Colgate, we talked about it before, the 6-11 matchup for them, there's not a better 6-11 matchup. And they're, again, going to be at home. So this is a very big opportunity for them. Just got to survive the potential scary game. Now, these, since we really can't go too detailed, I guess, on the next round matchups because we don't know who's going to be there, I just wrote down a few. I guess we'll just spitfire fast and anything that you guys want to talk about, we will for games, I guess, that make sense or games that we expect to happen. So potential matchups that we could see from these teams, it would be Michigan potentially against Tennessee, Iowa against Providence or San Diego State, Indiana against UCLA, Ohio State against Villanova, Purdue against Texas or Virginia Tech, Rutgers against Texas Tech, Illinois against Houston, Michigan State against Duke, and Wisconsin, like we just were talking about, against Iowa State or LSU. After being is there any games that stick out to you? Any thoughts you have about any of these games or matchups? I have a couple. I have a couple. First of all, the Michigan-Tennessee game, I am not as high on Tennessee as some people are. I, I think that's you know, kind of a good matchup for Michigan. I think they could compete and win that game. Another one, Purdue, I think they'll be playing Virginia Tech. I talked about that at the opening. That game could be scary because Virginia Tech's super, super hot. Rutgers has no chance if they play Texas Tech. Lastly, uh, Michigan State versus Duke. Not because I think it'll be a good game, but Tom Izzo versus Coach K, last last time they'll ever play each other, or coach against each other. Uh, in the same building, I think is you know something that everybody wants to see. I think Coach K is going to come out of retirement like Brady did and come back and coach because I don't think they're going to win a national championship this year, and he's going he's going to want to leave on a championship note. No, I obviously I don't think that's true. But you know, as confident as I was with our Big Ten teams in the first round, unfortunately, I think I only have four teams moving on to the Sweet Sixteen after this weekend. Those teams are going to be Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, and Purdue. I'm not sure. I I don't hate the matchup if Michigan's able to get by Colorado State. I don't hate the matchup against Tennessee. Like Hayden said, you know, Tennessee's kind of really been like a like a Providence in my eyes, kind of a fake good team. There's not, you know, if Rutgers gets by Notre Dame, I could see them beating Alabama, but, you know, that's kind of two tough games in a row. And with how inconsistent Rutgers has been at the end of the year, I'm not – convinced that they could do that and I know I was talking about how much I love that Indiana and St. Mary's matchup but ultimately I do think that Indiana just has too many holes and and that St. Mary's will be a team that um, scores a lot of points and runs them out of the gym going back you know if Ohio State gets past Loyola Chicago you know I think they have a, a tough matchup against Villanova another team that is very Senior-led veteran. Don't worry about that, Casey. That won't happen. Hey, hey, you know, we talk. It seems like Ohio State just always does the opposite of whatever we say. So as negative as we are, I'm kind of fully expecting a, you know, a Final Four run here for the Buckeyes. My buddy Jack's actually a Villanova alumni, and he supports us and listens to this right now. So as much as I hate giving Philadelphia any credit at all, shout out to Jack. Appreciate the listening there, too. Jack, you have nothing to worry about if you play Ohio State. Oh, see, we both had already discussed how we're 100% sure that both of our seasons ending in Pittsburgh against Loyola, Chicago, and Sister Jean, it was just, it, it's a perfect ending. We already know that's going to happen. It feels like written in stone. I don't know. At least Villanova, for his sake, they, they've kind of overcome their 
stigma of choking over the last few years. What, two championships now in five, six seasons? It, that reminds me, talking about co- really good coaches, going to Coach K, Tom Izzo, like you mentioned before, if Coach K loses early in the tournament, it would be then you lost your final home game against UNC, your arch rival, biggest rivalry in college basketball. Then you follow that up by losing in the ACC championship game against a team that was heavily an underdog. And then you follow that up with a very disappointing NCAA tournament. I, I'm not saying that Coach K is a bad guy because I love Coach K. But I, do, I think his ego is too big to leave like that. There's no way he comes back, even if they lose early on in the tournament. That dude is hes creeping up there in age. He is, but I, I just can't imagine him just bailing out after three, I guess, really painful losses in the three biggest games of the year, really. But last thing I'll say, and then we can wrap up, my other game that I wanted to talk on was Illinois and Houston. Houston's one of the three teams in the country that Ken Palm's rankings of offense and defensive efficiency that have fit the metrics of national championship teams in the last 10 years. They're one of the only three teams in the country that fall under that category. People like me, I feel like always disrespect Houston. I never expect anything. And part of that might go back to when Michigan beat them on the buzzer reader a few years ago. But I think I'm going to disrespect Houston again. I'm just going to assume Illinois wins. And there's a very good chance that when we're talking next week, I'm very miserable about watching that in person. Yeah, I'm not afraid of Houston. Michigan sucked us a lot of them that year, so. That's perfect. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta edible. Casey and I will definitely be back here early next week. Maybe Hayden. We'll see how it's going on over there with dad duties. And we'll have to look back at the opening weekend and hopefully have quite a few games to preview for the following weekend as well. Do you guys have anything you want to leave us with? Maybe your final four picks, champion, anything like that? I think I'm going to save my final four picks and champion for after first and second round games. <laughs> because Unbelievable. Honestly, I haven't filled out a bracket yet, so I don't, I don't have any idea, to be honest with you. If I'm, if I'm going to go off my gut feeling, I think it's going to be Gonzaga. Because I think they're the best team in the country, and I think their route there is decent. I think they play the toughest two seed, though, and that being Duke. So if they can get over that hurdle, I think that they will win it all. But finally, my my final thought, I am so excited for these games. And I hope this first weekend, this first and second round of games, does not absolutely kill my excitement because it's done that to me before and I just hope we can get at least five of the nine big 10 teams advancing to uh, at least round two, if not further. So praying that our big 10 teams don't let us down this weekend. My final thought has nothing to do with the NCAA tournament and it actually has to do with the NBA because LeBron's still doing the damn thing. There is a chance. I don't know what he's doing. He might mess around and win the scoring title. He is point one points behind Joel. Joel as the NBA scoring leader. So his last five games include two 50-point games where he's shot unbelievable for, from three. So there's a chance. We're still talking about LeBron 
age 37 being the, the scoring leader in the NBA. Yeah, Hayden, if I could touch on that real quick. LeBron is straight up balling this year, but I do not feel bad for him at all with this team that he's assembled in L.A. This, he he has no help. Russell Westbrook is, I don't even think was ever really that great, but he is washed now. And the reason why I don't feel bad for LeBron is because he put this whole team together, basically. Everything ran through LeBron, and he got the guys there that he wanted. It just is not working out. This team is, I think they're now eight games under 500. They're going to have to play in a play-in game if they're going to make the playoffs, and then they're going to face the one or two seed in the Western Conference. Well. Unfortunately lose that series as well. Yeah, I agree, but Anthony Davis has been hurt. I mean, he's been out for a month now, and but that, that's at, not like a big that's, – that, I mean, that is a big loss. Yeah, but if you look in the West, I mean, with a f- healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron James, let's say the whole year, they, they still might only be like a four seed. Better than a nine. <laughs> but that is true, but you have to expect that that's going to be the team that they play or that they have come playoff time. And, you know, I, I, I don't think – seeing the first or second seed in the first round is going to go well. I don't think so either, but if they get AD back for a playoff push, I'm I'm not saying they're going to win, but I, I think they could make it interesting a little bit. Well, that's exactly what they did last year. AD was hurt, came back, they won their first series, or no, won the first game, I think, and then lost to the, to the Suns the next series. So very similar thing could happen in my opinion, but sorry, Wally, to – to ramble on about that. I know you're not the biggest NBA fan. No, but I was actually going to say, and like because you were the one brought up, he is, this is obviously a pro LeBron podcast. We're all from Ohio. We, you know how it is, but he's one of the best, if not the best player of all time. I think we'd all agree on the that. Best. Yeah, I know. I'm just to avoid that discussion. Thank no, you. on this podcast, there would be no discussion. Yeah. He is the, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? To avoid that all overall, that's great. All the, all the old old heads listening to us will have something to say. They'll be tweeting at us. But. Yeah, exactly. So to avoid that, I will say he was one of the best, if not the best player of all time. But it's safe to say since coming to Cleveland the second time, he's kind of been an abject failure as the player GM that he's kind of wanted him to be. I Again, like you said, I don't watch enough NBA to, to be the one to talk about it, but it does sometimes feel like had he gotten out of his own way, maybe he's not sitting there with four right now. That's a very good point, Wally. And I think that LeBron recently has tried to uh, – or has been falling in, love, falling in love with the storylines more than what fits his team best. And the perfect example for that – is Russell Westbrook. You know, he's an L.A. kid, went to UCLA, but there were so many other players that, you know, Westbrook's like a $45 million cap hit or some shit like that. Like, there are plenty of 15 to $20 million players that they could have brought in that would help tremendously for this Lakers team, but he decided he wanted to go, and I say he as in LeBron, you know, he didn't actually make the decision, but, you know, Nothing's going on with that team if it, and not going through LeBron. Anyway, so I forget what, what point I was making there. Um, but, you know, LeBron, I, I don't feel bad for him, but just keep balling out, man. It's been absolutely fun to watch. Yeah, it has. And it's kind of crazy now to see in two of our favorite sports at this age, the crazy high level that Tom Brady coming back now, he's playing at, and then obviously LeBron in the NBA. 
Real quick on LeBron, I'm sorry. Of course. I love LeBron. But he was the first player in NBA history to have at least 10,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 10,000 assists. So shout out to LeBron for that achievement that nobody in the history of the game has ever achieved before. Last thing, Wally, real quick, because I'm looking at the all-time points leaders NBA. Next year, LeBron should take over the number one slot of all-time points uh, for regular season, taking over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Well, he's already surpassed, I think it was Kareem again, for most all-time points with uh, regular season and postseason combined. I'm pretty sure that was earlier this year. But, yeah, and Hayden, to your point on that record, he is going to smash that record if he stays relatively healthy, plays around 55, 60 games, because he said he's not retiring until Bronny gets into the league, and that's at least three more years. So LeBron should smash that record and probably will hold it for our lifetime, you would imagine. Yeah, I just typed in next year. I put I, I hypothetically said he played 70 games and said he averaged 25. That's like 1,750 points, which would clear him of the number one placeholder. I mean, he still has 15 games this year or whatever it is. There you go, Wally. <laughs> No, that's perfect. I, I had nothing. To, you guys are the NBA guys. I'm not. I'm. I don't want to step on toes with the NBA. I don't know enough. But I will give you my final four real quick. Then I'll send you guys on your way. I have Arizona over Iowa. I really wanted to to believe, but Arizona is so so good. You over there, Casey. Have Gonzaga potentially being the national champion. I'm going Kentucky over Gonzaga, and I actually think I'm going to take Kentucky over Arizona, so it's not going to be the blue nickname team that we, I guess, the storybook ending with Duke being, but I'm going Calipari and the Wildcats instead, so I'm going with Kentucky to win it all, but otherwise, do you guys have any other thoughts? Are we good to wrap up? I just, can we have more LeBron talk, or? Yeah, I was going to say, we'll open up a new one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing. No, I'm good. All right, well, that's perfect, guys. We'll see you back here next week for episode 60 of Pigskins and Nylon. Peace.